Welcome to Coming Out of the Spiritual Closet with your host, me, Brittany Wittig. Join me every week to explore and demystify the world of modern spirituality. This week, I'm interviewing Sarah Slabasak. Sarah is a doctor, a lawyer, and a spiritual alchemist. Yes, you heard that right. And this interview was so incredible. Sarah shared so vulnerably about her journey to spiritual awakening. She shares a harrowing story of surviving sexual assault in her workplace, doing everything that society told her she should, but still feeling unfulfilled. And what's so inspiring is the gratitude that she shares for her darkest experiences. This is an incredible, inspiring story of spiritual awakening and a journey from surviving to thriving. This interview absolutely blew me away. There's so much to learn here. So without further ado, here is Sarah. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me this week. And Sarah, I am so happy to have you here on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Same, same. It's very excited to be here. Yes, this is going to be great. So I want to jump right into it. I would love to hear about your story of coming out of the spiritual closet because your your particular spiritual journey is really unique and really fascinating. So yeah, I would love I would love for you to share. Oh man. Where to start? Well, I I'll give you a little bit of context about myself. Um I am a recovering perfectionist, overachiever, try to control every facet of my life so nothing goes wrong. Finally reaching the point where uh, it's like, wait a minute, I think I bamboozled myself. <laughs> um, so a little bit um, to know is that I, I'm a doctor, I'm a physician. I went to medical school. I left my training when I was in residency. And then I went to law school because I thought I'd, you know, I'd make it make sense. I'd do surely like I you check off all the good girl boxes and all the things that we're supposed to do in this thriving capitalist society um (laughs) that was a joke (laughs) yeah that your promised success and stability and happiness and you know that quickly finding out after you know achieving two doctorates before the age of 40 that is actually not true. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, we'll we'll start there. I I went to medical school right after college. Um, my father's a physician, and you know, I have a few relatives that are, and it just felt like a good way to find a fulfilling, secure means of you know to make to make a living. Yeah. And I I really did have a heart for people, and the and the thing that I say that I miss most is my, is my patience, um, and connecting with people and just, you know, learning their story and, and understanding and acknowledging that when somebody walks in to see a physician, they're already in such like a largely vulnerable place. They are coming to you. Nobody wants, you know, nobody wants to see a physician on a good day. Um, and so that piece of it just, that was why I did it. I thrived for, I lived for that. Um, 
it's like almost like the medicine was secondary. It's mm. it was a practice of the heart before it was a practice of using my mind. And I did gain a lot of fulfillment um, from that. And I was on my way to becoming an internal medicine doctor with the plan to become a critical care specialist. I wanted to be by the bedside of every patient, um, potentially when they're, they were about to transition. And I also wanted to carry the, the weight of making responsible, the, the weight of the responsibility of making very quick, accurate, narrow decisions about someone else's life. It's, it's a huge burden to, to carry, but to want to carry. And yeah. And the desire came from the connection that I felt on a soul spiritual level with people who walked into a hospital or an office. Um, and that was just organic for me. I wasn't, I didn't consider myself spiritually awake at that point. I had spent um, all my life in the Southern, you know, non-denominational church, very okay. going four times a week. So I, I felt connected to God. I felt like I had a calling to do something to that, that connected with people and helped to heal and transform their lives. Mm. And just medicine was a natural path. I had, I had seen my dad walk, walk the path. It was actually his second career. He didn't start when, until I was in kindergarten. So he didn't oh. finish until I was starting college. Okay. Um, so I saw his, I had a front row seat to what it meant to become a doctor. And I chose it still knowing, knowing that. And he, he's a spine surgeon. So I, I really saw like, you know, him walk one of the hardest, most difficult, challenging paths in medicine you can um, to become fully certified. Wow. But um, things fell apart for me in my first year of residency. Um, I was sexually assaulted by another physician who was one of my supervising residents. He was a year ahead of me. Um, <laughs> oh, holy. That's yeah. crazy. It wasn't, it wasn't a fun time. And it, it went on for a period of months and started almost immediately when I was a brand new intern day one. I think our paths crossed maybe my third or fourth month. Um, and wow. yeah, it, it was, it was, a, a yeah, it was a dark time. And yeah. I finally, <laughs> there's a point where I, I, I tried to keep my head down and just get through it. Sure. But I had three years at this program, two of which would be there. And it was a small program in East Texas. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> small program in East Texas. Yeah. And, um, small town. Uh, so I didn't have any community. I didn't have any support. And in December, January, I decided, let me just try and ask for help. Yeah. I didn't, you know, didn't go to the police. I didn't go, I, I didn't should have, but, um, I went to my program director and I asked him, can I please just not be assigned to work under this person's supervision? And that was what I once referred to as the worst decision of my life, oh, but wow. it was the best decision of my life. 
I never thought I would ever be able to say that that day was the best day of my life. But after I reported it, they fired me. And not only did they fire me, they reported me to the police for, they accused me of stealing triplicates, um, controlled medication, of trying to steal patients' identities, a whole gamut of just morally egregious crimes. Whoa. Of which, of course, I was investigated for and nothing ever came of it because I didn't do any of that. Right. And it's like it, it wasn't enough for you to not disbelieve me, completely imp- disempower me and fire me Ugh. when I just I, I mean, I, I didn't ask for anybody to get in trouble. I just wanted to not ever work under that under that man. And wow. that's what happened within the, within three months. I was gone. I was hiring a lawyer. I <laughs> Wow. I, my whole life was turned on its head and I was living out of my small walk-in closet because that was the only space that I felt safe in that I could control. Was wow. A, you know, three foot by four foot walk-in closet. And I, I mean, I, if, yeah, I just went into this very deep, dark, dark space. Um, worried my whole family of course but for the large part uh, most people didn't know like what happened so I was also dealing with the shame of mysteriously coming home after leaving for my first year of residency and it was like uh I was trying to breathe under an avalanche um wow and yeah yeah. I, I gained 40 pounds. My whole body changed, like everything changed my spirit, mind, body, soul. I mean, and it's my first like true tower moment in life. You know, the darkest, dark night of the soul. Yeah. Wow. So I, um, I hired a lawyer because I, you know, I'm knowing that filing a lawsuit was going to just blow up my career. I did it anyway because by, you know, grace of the divine, I started getting angry. Um, I started getting angry and realizing not even truly understanding at that point, but just I couldn't make sense of the, the facts, even if I wanted to like, shoulder the shame and try and blame myself the facts like weren't lining up and so it was the logical side of my brain that started my spiritual awakening which I think is funny in hindsight it's like it almost makes you know it about it makes me feel validated because usually those things are separate and we keep you know separation of church and state in the sense of like state being very grounded in logic and fact and science and but but for my logic I would not have started my spiritual journey wow I didn't realize it then but I was taking my first baby scoop my first baby step and um you know it's it's a very long story to unpack but the 
the highlights are that I filed the lawsuit in 2015 or 16 when I left, when I was, when I, when I was fired. Um, and it didn't go to federal court until 2018. And by then I had met the love of my life. I had started, you know, I wasn't healing then. Let's just say I was like a lot of like compartmentalizing feelings and developing a flourishing shadow self. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. And in that, in that time, I decided I'm going to go to law school. Why not? It's, you know, I've already spent tw- my entire life to date at that point in school. What was three more years? Um, sure. And, you know, I thought, again, still thinking if I just follow, if I follow the good girl's guide to success, go to school, pay attention, do good, get good grades, then then after that, you're allowed to be happy. After that, you're allowed to relax. So I did it. You know, I, I matriculated to law school in 2018 and graduated in 2021 at the top of my class, cum laude. And, you know, I embraced the new challenge and it was a great distraction. It was a great distraction. Um, you know, the pandemic happened in, right in the middle of law school. And, you know, I... I became very comfortable in hermit mode and I I felt like okay I feel safe a little bit now feel a little safe now so when I started law school I was also at the same time beginning the lawsuit that I had filed previously in federal court um and we had a few wins at the beginning. I won summary judgment, um, and meaning that my complaint was allowed to proceed to trial. But then it was just a series of tower moments after that. Um, we found out that they had destroyed all of the evidence of their quote unquote investigation. Um, Whoa. <laughs> despite laws that protect preservation of evidence if a party has reasonable like cause to believe they're going to be sued yeah um so the man who assaulted me did not have to attend wasn't subpoenaed to attend there was one woman on my jury there's one woman on my jury wow and despite all of that and giving a total of 14 hours of recorded testimony the full eight hours of my deposition before trial and then two days of testimony in court that's longer than war criminals have testified in court about their you know transgressions yeah i gave more hours of testimony than war criminals have um and so I understood that's why they reported me to the police for all these crimes. It's they 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 were readying themselves for a battle in which they know morally. Morally yeah. they lost. From oh the yeah. Um but having to sit there for 14 hours total and be asked like you know, what kind of photos do you have on your phone of yourself? Do you share those with people? So are you into yourself? Like, I, it, oh my God, the amount of character assassination after 
um, spending my whole life working towards this goal, all of college, getting into Rice University, one of the best schools in the world and definitely the best school in Texas. Yep. Doing well there, um, getting into medical school, getting myself through medical school, just that in and of itself is an accomplishment. And knowing that I'm going to get myself through these hard times because I just want to be able to connect with people and like hold that very prized position of being the person that they go to when they are feeling the most vulnerable. That is what I wanted. That's what I felt called to. And to have something awful happen to you repeatedly and then trying to stomach it, trying to just get to that other side where I become the healer. And, you know, going through that for a few months before, you know, you try and make this compromise. Well, I can deal with this if this is the price that I have to pay. There's something better on the other side. And I'll just keep my head down and ignore it. And you you can only bargain with yourself in like places of dark violence for so long. And I thought, I'm just going to ask to never be assigned again under him. I, I made the smallest ask is what I'm, I think I'm trying to say compared to what was happening. And I was met with immediate like disempowerment. And it didn't matter that I had gone to the best university in the state of Texas. It didn't matter that I had, you know, the highest scores of my class in that group. It didn't, none of that mattered. And not only did they end my dream in an instant, they went out of their way to drag me through the mud to, it was a witch, is a modern witch trial. Absolutely. That's the exact, that's exactly what's been coming up in my head as you've been speaking. I mean, this is just the classic witch hunt. Yeah. And, um, which is why hermit mode just felt so good. I just, I'm going to withdraw within myself um I'm going to try and recreate this new persona and so um oh yeah so I mean the obvious outcome of that in court I lost uh, yeah despite, yeah despite one woman on the jury despite their open admission in court that they destroyed all the evidence of their investigation despite the man who assaulted me not even having to give testimony. <laughs> um, despite so many things, it's just the, again, logic kept telling me this is not about facts, evidence. This is, this is yeah. bigger than that. And I didn't know what to do with that. So I just shoved it somewhere far away. <laughs> Um, from my mind and I I did my best to move on wow and I lost everything I lost who I was I lost who I was going to be I lost my community I lost my self-esteem my self-confidence I lost myself wow I was a shell of myself I yeah um yeah Wow. 
First of all, before you continue, I just want to thank you so much for sharing about this so openly and so vulnerably. Um, it's, I mean, just the darkness of that. I can just feel it. I mean, that is, oh, it's infuriating to me. It saddens me. And the thing that really saddens me too is that at this point, as women in this world, it's like, I know this stuff happens and that is so, oh, like <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. so fucked up. It's yeah. so fucked up. It's, it is. And it's not, you know, I, what happened to me is not uncommon, but yet when I tell my story, it's wild. This is actually the first time I'm telling this publicly since I went on the record in a legal setting. Wow. Um, but I'm doing it because it's important. And I know that there are so many women, um, especially in, in high achieving professions that you, all you wanted was security and stability and a way to take care of yourself without relying on society and your intentions were pure and golden and good. And you were doing it for all the right reasons. And now you find yourself trying to choose between your your self-respect and your self-integrity and the demands that society just has become so numb to that we just think, well, that's just, a, you know, it's, it's a toxic workplace. What do you want? Like lives are at stake, but that, no, I, I reject that. Yeah. Absolutely. No, because institutions can change if they want. But what I have realized is that that it didn't matter that, again, it didn't matter that I had all these credentials. It didn't, and going to law school didn't do it for me either. And it was finally realizing I could keep repeating the same patterns, even if, you know, I did my best because we don't live in a world that a encourages an individual. Right. And because, you know, women are so ready, we're caregivers at nature, we're so willing to just take it on, take it on. It's fine. I'll just expand. I'll expand. I'll expand. I have this much bandwidth. I'll do it. Like, I'll get through it. It's fine. And then the bandwidth breaks and we shatter. And it, so, but yeah, the next step in my spiritual journey was this huge tower moment I went through this past February, um, more personal related um, in my own personal life. And it was just, a, you know, a true like come to God moment mm -hmm. wherein I couldn't stay angry anymore because I couldn't, I couldn't rely on outside circumstances for my happiness it wasn't going to be sustainable and I knew that had to be true because if I have already done the good girl checklist twice over now gone to two professional doctorate programs become a physician become an attorney a patent attorney no less like very hard path I I I exploited all those options I did all of the things I went to you know 10 years of 
traditional therapy to try and overcome my struggles. I took all the antidepressants I was prescribed. I did everything that we are directed to to do if you know, oh, you're feeling sad or depressed, like pick yourself up by the bootstraps and do this and go to therapy. I did all of that. And I was still so unhappy. Yeah. I was still so miserable. Um, because I, I, I never chose myself. I was living in a state of constant self-abandonment. And I could either choose the narrative of I was cheated, I was, you know, I was robbed, I, that should never happen to me, I was violated, I was a victim, and all of that, all of that was true, all of that did happen, but it, the only way I was going to change my life is if I took ownership of it, and what that meant for me was finding, I had to find a way to release that anger, that I was holding on to to make room for the person that I had always wanted to be. Whoa. Like, (laughs) wow. I mean, that is, I just got this like huge wave of emotion as you said that. I mean, that is such a powerful statement right there. And it is, it's somewhere that so many people they never get, they never see it. I mean, so many people, so many people in this culture, because this is what we're taught to do, really, this is what we're conditioned to do, would hold on to that. You know, they would never get to that point where they were ready to move forward, where they were ready to be happy, where they were ready. You know, I mean, that is just such a beautiful perspective shift. I mean, it's, I'm just blown away. I'm just blown away by the strength that that took. I mean, truly it's, it's epic. Like this is such a massively thought provoking and empowering story. Thank you so much for sharing this. I just, I had to say that, please continue. Thank you. Um, thank you for saying that and honoring that. And I can say that at the time it didn't feel like a position of strength. And um, (laughs) knowing my very like hard former perfectionist like mindset, I'm sure my, you know, spirit guides now are just kind of laughing. Like we had to push you down so many times. Like you Uh were supposed to be happy a long time ago, but it's that part of, you know, my inner critic who I, I refer to her as my loyal soldier. She, you know, she kept me safe. Oh, that's so good. I honor, I honor that part of me, but, um, I had to also connect with her and let her know, like, it's time for you to retire. It's okay. I'm safe now. Like I got this, like, but you were so necessary for so long because you got me to this point and (laughs) I'm so sorry it took this, you know, Maybe if there were another type of doctor in our society, I would have had to go to that school and get a third doctor before waking up. But I had, I was out of options. And like, I knew that. And yeah. I knew that even, you know, the d- traditional path of religion wasn't going to do it. I had spent 18 years of my life going to the same church four times a week, 
truly. And then I had spent the next, the next part of my entire life going to very rigorous academic institutions. And while in therapy, I knew none of, none of those three things were going to work. And the one thing I had always been afraid to do was go inside myself because inside myself was everything that I had always shut down. No, I'll deal with it later. I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, after med school, after law school, let me just get to that point. And that is a fruitless trap. Just a, it's a constant cycle. Um, and so the, the start of my spiritual awakening was this past February, which sounds odd to me because it's almost like I, for a while, I was like, I'm going to trust this. It's too good. There's no way. There's no way it was this easy this entire time. There's mm. no way that I put myself through so much disharmony and dysregulation when the this my solution went to bed with me every night. It woke up with me every night. It was there for every one of those tower moments, patiently waiting for me to choose it. And that solution was me. And I can't tell you how it felt as someone who thought, like, I knew everything. And not even from a place of, like, pure ego. It's like, no, I went to all these schools. I have all these degrees and certificates and blah, blah, blah. And it meant nothing. Because at the end of the day, at least for me, refusing to go inside myself and deal with myself and confront myself and and sit with all of my shadows and not just judge myself for my shadows, but sit there and understand my shadows. Like, why are you here? What was your role in my life? Like, how did you protect me? And being able to move from a place of self-disgust and self-loathing and self-shaming by connecting with the parts of me that I had developed over time to protect me from me Mm. helped me understand that ultimately even though all those string of bad events happened and even though I was innocent in those events I was still responsible and guilty of abandoning myself thereafter mm. every single day when I chose to just reach for this or that to distract myself or do that or you know I was, I had self-abandoned more than anything in my life. And that was a hard pill to swallow, but it was, it was hard for half a second because that realization came in the moment that I was also leaning into this new liberating freedom that I had never felt before of just complete self-acceptance and mm -hmm. being in a space where I'm able to say, yes, that's true. That happened, that happened. But being able to realize the point wasn't that I got through all that and yay me, I came out stronger and faster and, you know, that that's all well and good. And there's definitely a place in society for those kinds of inspiring stories. But what I've recently realized, even in just the past few weeks, is that that's not really what my story is about. My story is about finding joy 
after being so violated, so disempowered, so disbelieved. And being able to wake up and truly feel so grateful for my life. Um, yes. I mean, and wow. Then, like, I didn't even, I don't even know what I did. It was the, it was the simple choice of surrendering. And it hasn't even been a year. Um, and I, if I had not have gone, if I had not gone through that entire journey, I would not be who I am today. And that, you know, it sounds, so it just goes back to my first comment. The best day of my life was when I reported, when I finally made the decision to report the sexual assault and then got fired from my entire dream. That was the best day of my life because who I was before was someone who was blindly loyal to the systems of society that tell us, like, just take this soma, follow this structure, do this, do that. It's a container we don't even realize we're living in. And it's like the slow boiling over time where you realize you're giving up pieces of yourself because you're promised this end that's so magnificent. And you're going to be so respected and you get to call yourself doctor and like empty, empty, empty promises. And I, I, I don't mean to discourage anyone from the pursuit of these careers i mean they're wonderful you know fulfilling careers in a very limited respects like it fulfills that part of me that is a professional and feels good about having a skill set that's specialized wherein i can leverage that to help people sure but if you want to be happy with yourself and you want to wake up with joy and you want that feeling that you've been the only reason you did all this was to get to this place of feeling like I can rest and I can enjoy my life now. That's not going to happen until you honor who you are. And that can be scary because the knee-jerk reaction is, no, I got to hide because there's not a place for me in this society today, in this modern age, where I'm allowed to be spiritual and taken seriously yeah it's not you know it's that's not a that's your woo woo no let's keep you on the fringe it's fringe it's pseudoscience it's new age like you're going to go to hell come on get with the program and it's you know have starting a spiritual awakening is tough because you've all for me at least i had to have no other options it had to be my only option because when I started the path, I didn't know I was going to end up here. I thought truly in that moment, oh, this is a great different distraction. It's totally different. You know, I don't have to tell anyone about it. Let me occupy my mind. And wow, um, <laughs> everything changed so quickly. And yeah. for me, um, I started with hypnotherapy. Okay. And that was the groundwork that I needed to do before I could become open spiritually. And I found an amazing hypnotherapist here in Portland, Oregon. Um, her name's Emily. And she, um, God, I'm just so grateful for 
for her and divine timing and divine alignment because there was a night where I went online and I just Googled hypnotherapist, Cortland, Oregon, eight people came up. I sent them all emails and she responded in a time where I saw it. And I like, we just connected and I, yeah. <laughs> so we did a lot of hypnotherapy parts work and parts work is kind of where, when I, I was talking about my shadow and getting to know all my shadow selves and getting to know my loyal soldier and all the different parts of me that have that I've created throughout my life for different purposes. And had I tried to do shadow work in the past, I probably would have just been in practice and, and like self-hate and judgment. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, at least hypnotherapy versus traditional therapy allowed me to move from intellectualizing my feelings to transmuting them. And that, that is the key. That is the key to, if you want to transform your life, you have to change your energy. And that's what started my spiritual awakening was finally finding a modality that allowed me to get out of my head and into my heart. Mm. And, you know, that felt inherently unsafe. Being in your, my heart space? No, absolutely not. Because when, uh, you know, when you, ex when I exposed myself in the past, really bad things happen. So I'm right. just going to stay in my head. Um, my head will keep me safe. It's very logical. I can trust it. And that's it. <laughs> sure. And so and because I wasn't living in my body, you know, I developed all these other parts of myself that lived there for me. And I was very reactive to the world. I was irritable. I was suspicious of everybody, everybody's motives. Um, and I wasn't fully living because I wasn't fully engaging with myself or my community and hypnotherapy for someone who's very wound up type a very like addicted to dogma mm. is it's a way to, I can't even explain it. I, it's, I know it's not magic, but I call it magic because we don't, we never talked about my trauma. Like, and that was the thing. Like, I didn't want to go back to traditional therapy, mostly because I didn't want to have to retell everything. I didn't want to have to unpack 15 years of abuse and hiding. And, you know, I even thought, oh, I'll just make them a slideshow. So we don't have to talk about all that. But wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and it's not, hypnotherapy is amazing. So it's not even like the movies. You are fully aware of your body, you know what's going on. But yet, hmm, I really can't explain how it worked. It was so magic for me. But um, I was able to connect with all those parts of myself. I was able to sit down, thank them, honor them, and give them permission to reincorporate. And mm. so I became more full. All those parts of me. Like later down the road, when I was into more spiritual stuff, which we'll get there in a minute, I had this meditation where I saw my higher self and all of those parts of me from like toddler to middle school, high school, my college version, my, you know, med school self, my lawsuit self, my, you know, all those versions of me just showed up at this picnic table. 
and my higher self was there and I was watching as this observer and they were chatting and laughing like you would picture a family you know reunion and kids running around and um god I just it's I'm just so thankful um because I never I didn't know what I was missing and I'm struggling to explain it because it's so new, but yet I feel safe exposing myself now because I know it's real. I know this is real. And this is coming from somebody who spent decades hiding herself and instead choosing to torture herself with more school, more education. If, if I, if you can hear it from me and know that, you know, you don't have to get to the point where I was. You don't have to take on more responsibility that society says will lead to happiness. You don't have to do that. Like you can go straight to yourself um, because I did that and it didn't work. And within the past, God, what, what, it's October and this all started in February. I'm a completely transformed person. Um I react to things differently. I wake up feeling differently. And it's not work either to sustain it. Whereas, you know, traditional therapy, you've got to go constantly. I did a three-month container with Emily. I met with her once a week for three months. And it was the best three months of investment I could have ever made in myself. Wow. And again, I just thought, you know, this is going to be a fun distraction. Nope. No. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, this is just so inspiring, so beautiful. And you're 100% right. Like you delivering this message is so powerful. It's so powerful because of where you've come from, because of your history. Um, I mean, yeah, this is just amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I definitely have to get Emily's name from you too, oh, because yeah. Um, yeah. I would love to meet her. I maybe would love to have her on the podcast yeah, actually yeah, talk about great. hypnotherapy. Um, wow. Oh my gosh. So this is just such an epic story. So inspiring and actionable because like you said, I mean, people listening to this who can relate to that perfectionism um, to that, trying to do things the way we've been told we should, and I'm using air quotes, can listen to this and hopefully really see. And I think that you have you have verbalized this so beautifully that that doesn't have to be the way. And very likely that's not going to be the way that brings you joy. I mean, I just, I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's mind blowing. I'm loving this so much. So I love what the hypnotherapy did for you. I'm, I'm a big fan of hypnotherapy also. I also found that traditional therapy, traditional talk therapy didn't, it, it helped me in a way, but for me, there was connection needed to happen with my body. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. I would love to know where things went from there. Oh man. Yeah, <laughs> things started happening very quickly. And I am convinced it's, you know, my world perspective now is energy. Everything is energy and energy is everything. Mm 
Yes. And I got very attuned with what I call or what, you know, what is known as the subtle body. Mm-hmm. And I was a master of the physical body. Truly, I, you know, I studied it. I was a doctor. Um, I knew that physically I was very healthy. Um, but my subtle body, and what I mean by that is like the chakra system and understanding the energetics of how we move through life. And, you know, we, we kind of acknowledge that in Western medicine. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you some prescriptions that are going to alter your neurotransmitters. But, and that's, that's where we've stopped in Western medicine. But I, there's, it's bigger than that. What's, what is the energy driving you to have a neurotransmitter deficit? Why do you, why are you depressed? Did you just wake up depressed one day? Did you just wake up manic one day? Did you just wake up all, you know, it's, it's no, you didn't. There was something happened that changed the energy around you. And while acknowledging that there are some people who struggle truly with like anatomic disorders in their brain that alter their neurochemical structure, sure. That aside, the large majority of us are struggling with regulating our energy. And once I realized that, I got curious because, you know, again, I was still, I was still very in the depths of hypnotherapy. I did not have any intention of becoming who I am right now in this moment, which is someone who casually looking at my bookshelf has multiple tarot decks, oracle decks, books on the Akashic records, human design, you know, yes, I love it. (laughs) That's who I am today. Um, That's who I was eight months ago. (laughs) Wow. Myself, like a year ago, I would have been like, what the what the hell, Sarah? You're definitely going to hell. Like 100% hellfire. <laughs> Don't even try. Like, what happened to you? <laughs> um, gosh, but it started with just noticing the shifts in my body as I incorporated those parts of myself. So um, I just started feeling lighter. Sleep felt easier. I wanted to go work out. I just wanted to take better care of my body. And when I started taking better care of my body, my energy just improved. Now that's explainable by common medical knowledge. Take care of your body, you're gonna feel better. But I had been neglecting my body for years. So like I said, I had gained 40 pounds in like the span of six months when I left my residency. Um, And it just stayed on and I was, you know, felt sluggish and, you know, all those I felt felt awful about my Mm self-concept. And as I incorporated those parts of myself and I wanted to take better care of myself, my self-concept started improving. And that's where, for for me, that's where everything begins. It begins about, it begins with the dialogue that you have with yourself. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, so again, like my world is already so dark. I would, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I was used to just walking past mirrors and keeping my head down. I didn't want to look at myself. Like I didn't want to confront any part of myself at this point. Wow. So even small improvements for me was like 
that's the silver lining in all of it, you know, but that's, you know, I say silver lining, but it's actually just, that's the divine aligning of everything and being able to be at a point where I look back and instead of hating people and being suspicious and, and defensive, I'm so grateful for, for all of those events. And then you also get to a point where you realize those people are on a journey also, you know, I'm somebody's karmic mirror. Right. Yes. There's this whole new world that is open to me. But um, so, yeah, I started feeling my energy. I started seeing um, a medical intuitive who she's also former nurse practitioner, left the practice of traditional medicine out of her own awakening and her own path. And she practices using like tuning forks, which is something every medical student carries in their white, white, white coat, you know, that's used also in modern medicine. So I guess I I, I want to emphasize to the people. I, I always think about it like this. Who did I need when I was in, two, in 2015? Who did I need at that point in my life? Who would have been able to help me avert all of the like multiple crises that happened after? So I, I say this because I understand that it inherently sounds like pseudoscience because it's not, we're not taught this frame of thinking anymore. Right. Um, so I started seeing this medical intuitive. She uses tuning forks and connects with my spirit team. And I started seeing a shaman and I got a series of shamanic colonics, which is the funnest thing to say. Um, and also like truly the coolest experience. I mean, you really got to be ready for it though. <laughs> it's like, I I dove headfirst into like the world of woo. Um, you know, and what I have learned is that yes, there's magic to woo and there's this like, ethereal field of like it's so cool mystic and goosebumps but actually that is all grounded in energy and that's explained by quantum mechanics and quantum physics and there's there is an explanation that's grounded in logic and science so again it's this full circle moment where years ago but for my logical brain i would not have started my spiritual awakening and now i'm at a point where because I had spent years gaining advanced degrees and doctorates and all this knowledge, I'm now able to acknowledge that the spirit world does exist. Absolutely. And it's grounded in the science of energy. Yes. And so being able to hold space for this duality, (laughs) any cognitive dissonance that I had trying to rectify like the all this world of ruin magic with like my background being raised in a very Southern Baptist kind of atmosphere. It's amoral to the extent that I'm spiritual sounds like I have a new religion. This has nothing to do with religion or morality, right? Right. This is just how the universe operates. And one thing that like kind of struck me the other day when I was, you know, deep in meditation and thinking about the cosmos (laughs) is you know, this the example, the idea of black holes, we know that there is energy holding our entire universe, universe together. That is a talked about theory for decades. Now, we know that there's something like antimatter and God matter or neutrinos, 
we're able to measure their existence, yet we're not able to see them. So we're not able to manipulate them or further study, but we know that there's something out there. Right. And when I, in meditation, I was kind of just trying to reflect. At that point, I, I was really struggling with how do I make this sustainable for me? Mm. And I just felt this inner knowing that you've arrived at a place where there, you do not have to do anything. This is not on you. Stop trying to make it about perfectionism and something that you have to do actively. You don't have to actively manifest joy. Just work on your energy, align yourself vibrationally with the life that you want. And that it is as simple as that, I promise you. And everything will come your way. Like nothing that is meant for you will pass you by so long as you are attending to who you are and honoring who you are, who you incarnated on this world to be and following your blueprint and following your path even when it's a path that may be looked down upon by others, trusting, trusting your own energy. And when you are in a space that you can do that, the feeling, the bliss of the bliss of authenticity is so powerful that I promise you it is self-sustaining because mm. everything else falls away and I heard this great quote the other day that when you start your spiritual awakening, you will also be entering the loneliest period of your life, which is true for me. You know, I um, haven't been very open about my spiritual awakening because I understand that not everyone is ready to hear about. I wasn't. If I had been talking to myself a year ago, I would have dismissed myself just a year ago. So I get it if like my story seems too out of the box or bizarre or like you were just tired and exhausted and you, you know, you it's like, like they say, cults prey on the weakest link. It wasn't that. Mm. Like, I, I know it wasn't that. And right. It's just this like complete and utter surrender and faith and knowing that now that I've chosen this and moved through this and I work on my energy daily it's just something that can't be fully described and has to be experienced yeah oh yes oh my gosh I absolutely yeah it does it has to be experienced and you're in you're really in the ideal place to be sharing this story I I mean you really truly are coming out of the spiritual closet right now yeah Um, (laughs) which I'm honored that you are willing to come on and share this story like this with our audience. Um, and it's the right audience for this because they're going to resonate with this so very much. I know everyone listening right now, I'm sure is just feeling riveted by this the way I am. I mean, this is just such a powerful, potent, inspiring story on so many different levels. I mean, wow. Wow. And so many people listening right now, I think can relate to what you've, especially what you have just described about, I mean, all of it, but certainly what you've just described about the loneliness when you first get into this journey, because so often I think for so many of us, I mean, this was true for me. I I was a self-proclaimed atheist. Um, I have a biology background and 
most of my friends were in that category. And so there was a very big upheaval that happened in my personal life, a big shift in my social world. And I think that happens to a lot of us um, when we make the choice to really follow our path. And, and like you said, go inside and really um, embrace ourselves and our authenticity. It's, it is a lonely journey in the beginning, for sure. And it's so helpful to have that reflected back. I think um, as someone who's gone through it, it's helpful for me every time I hear someone else's experience. And I'm sure it's helpful for the people listening too. Oh, good. Yeah. And I'll say you'll find your community quickly. And to the extent that you feel lonely, it's necessary. At least it was in my case because I was so conditioned by leaning on the world and let me Google it or what's trending. Let me figure it out this way. And once I isolated myself, I had the space I needed to kind of like remove the chatter and the noise and and therein like you'll find yourself and then your community will follow yeah yeah absolutely i found i have also found that to be true definitely definitely very wise words one of the things that has come up for me throughout your story is just what a natural helper you are i mean right when you first started talking like your empathy and your love, your love of humans was really shining through in this huge way and how you really truly have always wanted to help. And so it brings me around to where are you now and are, are you doing that? And I'm so excited to see how you're going to be helping and how people can come to you for help. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you know, you guys have heard my story. It's, I haven't even been on this path of years, but I feel so compelled to share this, this path with you in a, a more like methodical, practical stepwise journey. And so I, um, one of the modalities that I've been learning recently and feel very connected to is the concept and the theory of human design. Oh, yes. Um, we yeah. love that here. <laughs> So as a little background, if you haven't heard of human design, it it's based in the fun, same fundamentals that astrology uses. So your date of time, your date of birth, the time of your birth, location. And like astrology that, you know, is founded in the idea that when you incarnate into this world, the energies that each planet and star has on the world, you know, all those tense energy forces that are related to their respective positions and time and space at the point in which you are born into this world that kind of dictates your life path. Human design is similar in that it says that based on the energy of the cosmos and how it is impacting the geographic location that you were born in at the exact time and date of your birth, kind of like animals imprint on their mother, the cosmos is imprinting on you. And that is, that is the path that you were born into. And so to the extent that that is too woo-woo for you to grab onto now, the only suspension of disbelief is to the extent like you can watch Marvel movies, you can just play a thought experiment. Let's get curious about it. What if it's true? Like, and 
So the, the system was, it's actually somewhat new. Like astrology is ancient and that's been an ancient knowledge we've been fortunate to have for many centuries. Human design came to this man named Ra Uruhu. So Ra Uruhu, um, he was also a scientist, um, if I'm recalling correctly, and, you know, wasn't trying to walk a spiritual path. And he had this very mystical experience wherein he walked into his home one day with his dog and this, he just felt this overcoming sense of energy and like a knowing that he had to write something down very purposefully. And over the next several days, he received the human design system, which, like I was saying, is based on the same fundamentals of energy of the cosmos interacting with your, you know, genetic inheritance at the time of your birth. So the idea is you're born with two like sets of influences, one being your genetic DNA, what you're coming into this world from your family lineage, everything that you're holding. And you know, that's kind of related to epigenetics. The other side of it is the unconscious imprinting that happens at the time of your birth, that that is based on the stars and the planets. And if you don't like stars and planets, then it's just based on the energy that was existing in the world at that time, right. um, which that's not spiritual. That just is. It's, it just is. Um, and so there's so many different permutations of the human design system. It's based on nine centers of energy. There's channels that connect centers of energy that are either active or defined or undefined in your body. And um, whether or not a channel is activated determines like how you respond and react to the world. And I'm, 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 it's very new to me and I'm kind of doing it maybe a little disservice. And I apologize to all the human design experts who are listening. Like I do not profess to be a human design expert, but I can profess to be someone who can show you how I have used it to transform my life. Yes. And what I am so convinced that at the end of the day, everything goes back to energy because everything is energy and energy is everything. And the human design system, if you like Google just a quick image search, you'll see kind of an odd like triangle square system of drawings that sort of looks like it might be human. And it represents our natural um, energy centers in our body that we're born with. And some of them are defined and some of them are undefined. And everybody has a set of channels and gates that are active or they're not active. And depending on your very unique particular makeup, it gives you this perfect blueprint of not only who you are, and it not only does that provide you the validation of like, yes, that is who I am. It gives you the permission to be who you are, but it also gives you this whole system for how to respond and make decisions and react to the world. And it like truly is the most validating experience you can have. The pressure is off. Like you don't have to figure this out blindly in a box, guys. Like there is a way to know yourself so thoroughly, so deeply. If you don't want to spend months in doing shadow work like I did, like maybe you don't need to, but everybody needs to know their human design. Because once you like know who you are, not only do you tend to forgive yourself a lot easier for things you feel bad about 
you realize who you are. You realize no wonder that I react this way in certain situations. Like I don't thrive in a busy, crowded office space. I am, will do much better if I'm able to work remotely or um, I have this really difficult decision I'm trying to figure out. I'm in my head about it. I've, I've asked too many people about it at this point. Let me look, what does my human design chart say? For me, I'm a sacral authority. I need to listen to my gut. Mm-hmm. And what that means, how I've used that is anytime that I feel distressed about a situation, I take some space from it and back up, take a break. And then before I go to bed, when I wake up the next morning and maybe one other time, I'll just ask myself, should I do X, Y, Z? And I, yes, no, I know immediately. And my gut, I know immediately. But remember, I was a person who only lived in my head. I did not trust my gut. I did not trust my heart. When I did all this energy work to open up those heart chakras and my throat chakra and all these energy centers, the ability to open myself up to other ways of being was far more easier and mm. just revelatory. I, yeah. So anyways, the whole point is um, I am very excited about human design and I am designed like a course around it. It's, you know, going to be very casual right now. It's slated for eight weeks. Um, and I'm really, you know, the idea is to target people who find themselves like I did in 2015, 2016. You've done everything you can for yourself. And I commend you for it. Like, I I get it. You've tried to help yourself. You're not just someone who's sitting on your couch feeling sorry for yourself. You've done the work, quote unquote, the work that, you know, you're laudable. And, and I just want to validate you and invite you to a space where I get it. And I want to teach you how to use systems that are like human design to find a sustainable way of realigning your energy and knowing yourself better. And I'm not asking you to go on a spiritual awakening, but, you know, I can't promise that you won't. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not asking you to make this you know, eat, pray, love journey through another country and abandon your life. And you have to go on to this, you know, do all these things. What's been so transformative for me is it's not a doing and it's making small shifts in your life that you already have exactly where you are making these small shifts so frequently that it becomes the fabric of who you are. You will experience radical transformation as someone who is very grounded in logic and needing proof and this or that for me to be able to say this so publicly and so openly it's just truly transformative and yeah i would love to invite anybody to join it's so again i'm not professing to be an expert it's not you know join it if you want um listen along. I'm planning to do a podcast as well at some point soon. Um, but that's going to be more like the working title is what the woo. And it's actually going to be Emily and I, as you know, someone who has a, who had a perspective on my personality before I started this journey. And every week we're just going to talk about, you know, debunking and deconstructing dogma and, 
um, let's realign our language. What does it mean to be a witch, for example? Like, which, which is a very, you know, polarizing word. So what does it mean to do witchcraft or what is Kundalini awakening? All these questions that, you know, you're very curious about, but maybe, you know, you don't want to Google or it's too taboo. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have people come and join and guest speakers. And so those are the two things on my heart right now, leading other people who resonate with my story, inviting you to come on this journey, eight week journey with me learning about human design, being at, being able to ask me questions about anything, honestly, truly, like my entire life is on a legal record, like my darkest, deepest secrets. Wow. Yeah. So I have nothing, you know, I, it's, you can ask me whatever you want. Um, you know, I, I am an attorney and a, uh, used to be a doctor, so I'm very good at confidentiality. And I really just want to be here for people who are looking for a way out of their misery. Yeah. Wow. I love that so much. And I'm going to put in the show notes, all the ways that you can connect with Sarah. So you right now, as you're listening, you can just scroll down to the the show notes and connect with her. Um, I'm curious before we can finish up for real. um, What is your human design? I'm a projector. And when I found out, yeah. And when I found out I was a projector, it was really like a huge moment for me because it explained so much about the way I function and how I didn't function very well in like the mainstream way of being. Um, so yeah, what's your design? Well, first of all, love projectors. My fiance is a projector. Oh. I am a generator mm-hmm. two over four. Um, and okay. in my, like my, uh, way of engaging is the engaging the world is to respond. Cool. Okay. I was just curious. That doesn't surprise me at all because I do find that um, I have a certain energetic compatibility with generators. So it, it totally makes sense. I could kind of feel that, you know, the back and forth felt very natural. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I feel like human design is just like you said, I feel like it's an incredibly empowering blueprint. It's been so helpful for me moving through life and I'm, you know, and I'm not an expert either. I'm still learning about it, but what I do know has been really, really helpful. So I love that you're using that kind of as a modality to start helping. I feel like you're someone as I've listened to this whole story and just knowing that this is so new for you, I feel like you're someone who's it's, it's just going to be fascinating to see in a year, a two years, three years, like where you go with all of this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. (laughs) Same here. Yeah. (laughs) So cool. It's great to me now, but we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just amazing. And it is so obvious that you are a helper and that you are ready and able to help. I mean, it's clear to me that you will be able to help the people that come to you for this course and for whatever you choose to do going forward as well. It's like, it just, you kind of radiate it. It's, it's very cool. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Wow. That's that, that, that's the highest compliment. Oh, I'm so glad it's true. It's true. You do. So thank you, Sarah, so much for being here. This has been, wow. Like (laughs) so inspiring. I'm so looking forward to sharing this with my audience. And everyone listening, thank you so much for being here today. 
and listening and witnessing this really inspiring story. So I will catch everyone next week. Have a beautiful day.